This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This episode number 31 entitled, The Ascending and Descending Son of Man in John's Gospel. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith and I am your host. There are two texts within the Gospel of John that speak of the ascending and descending Son of Man that have brought about a variety of readings and interpretations. These passages are John 3.13 and John 6.62. It is widely recognized by modern Johannine scholars that the Gospel of John is, without question, the most symbolic of the four canonical Gospels. There is no debate on that issue. Where the actual debate comes in regards what these many symbols mean in the Gospel of John. What does it mean that the Son of Man descended? Furthermore, what does it mean that the Son of Man will ascend? Is there only one answer to these questions, or does the Gospel of John expect the metaphors to have multiple meanings? Of course, what does the descending Son of Man mean in regard to the question of the preexistence of the Messiah. It should be noted from the outset that the phrase Son of Man would have carried at least two meanings to Jewish hearers in the first century. First, it was understood as a messianic title for the apocalyptic human judge from heaven in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13. Whether this is what Daniel 7 originally meant is not the purpose of this study. What matters for us is that the first century title, Son of Man, was recognized and used by some to refer to the Jewish Messiah. Secondly, the Son of Man was also a self-referential designation, meaning someone could talk about the Son of Man and be intentionally referring to himself. As if someone were saying the Son of Man, they would be referring to I, or that person's own self. Of course, the Son of Man here refers to oneself as a human being. Either way, the Son of Man was a human figure, so those who insist that the Son of Man literally descended from heaven, according to John 3.13 and 6.62, need to wrestle with how and why the Gospel of John would want to portray Jesus as a human being that dropped out of the sky. So let's begin with our exegesis. Let's start with John 3 and verse 13. This passage reads in most modern versions as, No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. John 3, 13. The passage in John 6, 62 reads in most modern versions as, What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? John 6, 62. Let's look at John 3, 13 within this context. I'm going to start in John chapter 3 and verse 9 to get the context here. This is Jesus speaking privately with Nicodemus about being born again, being born from above, and the difference of being born from flesh and being born from the Spirit. Nicodemus says in chapter 3 and verse 9, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. That's John 3, 
verses 9 through 13. What we can see here is that there's a miscommunication between Nicodemus and Jesus. Nicodemus, like many of the dialogue partners with Jesus within the Gospel of John, understands everything that Jesus says literally, but Jesus means it figuratively and metaphorically. So, of course, Nicodemus doesn't understand. He says in verse 9, how can these things be? He needs to try to figure these things out. Jesus expects him to understand these things. And Jesus says in verse 11, speaking not only for himself, but also for the Johannine community, and you can note this with the change in the pronoun from the first person to the first person plural. Truly, truly, I say to you, we, there's that first person plural, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. Notice here the dialogue is dealing with the things that Jesus is saying, the things that Jesus is testifying, and Nicodemus can't understand these things. The context here very specifically regards the words that Jesus is trying to communicate to Nicodemus and, of course, to those whom Nicodemus is representing. Verse 12 helps clarify this and add some new language that is going to overlap into verse 13. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So the contrast here is earthly things and heavenly things. Jesus is trying to communicate earthly things, basic things, ordinary things, and he's also trying to explain heavenly things. The implication here is that the earthly things are the basic things to understand and the more exalted complicated, advanced things would be the heavenly things. Notice that the heavenly things here do not deal with things involving heaven as a location, but more as heaven as an identification, the things that God wants to communicate, God's truths, God's words, and God's revelations. And of course, these earthly and heavenly things get overlapped into verse 13, which is the verse that we are studying. No one has ascended into heaven, meaning no one has ascended up to understand these heavenly things as an authorized revelatory figure, but he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. What Jesus is saying here is that he, as the Son of Man, is the authorized one who has ascended to heaven, who has understood the mind of God, who has gained the knowledge of God's revelatory words and commandments, and he can be the one that can speak and testify authoritatively and with the divine commissioning that God has given him, as we see in verse 11 and verse 12. So Jesus is saying, no one has ascended and has achieved this understanding from the mind of God except for the Son of Man. What he's saying here is that he is the only person who has the authority to be the authoritative, revelatory speaker of the heavenly things. Now, why would Jesus have to say these things? Why would the Gospel of John have to point this out? Well, the context of the Gospel of John, written towards the end of the first century, or at least in its final form at the end of the first century, is debating and dialoguing with other Jewish works and other Jewish writings that are depicting various persons within Judaism that were described as having ascended to heaven to understand the mind of God and to divulge those words as apocalyptic revelatory figures. The most prominent of these figures was Enoch, and we can see that Enoch is a revelatory figure in various works like First and Second Enoch. Of course, Abraham was also one of these figures in the Jewish works Testament of Abraham and the Apocalypse of Abraham. Even Adam 
the primordial human being, was described as a revelatory figure who had ascended to heaven to explain the things of God in the Jewish work called Life of Adam and Eve. Levi was also one of these revelatory figures, according to the Jewish work Testament of Levi. Baruch, Jeremiah's scribe, is described as an apocalyptic revelatory figure in the contemporary work Second Baruch. And even Isaiah, the prominent prophet of the Hebrew Bible, was spoken of as having ascended to heaven to reveal the things of God in the Jewish work Ascension of Isaiah. So there we have half a dozen figures, Enoch, Abraham, Adam, Levi, Baruch, and Isaiah, that were all described in contemporary Jewish works, contemporary to the writing of the Gospel of John, that were revealing and explaining the things of God, the heavenly things, the things that they had ascended to reveal to the readers of those particular works as authoritative words from God. What Jesus is saying and what the Gospel of John is saying in John 3.13 is that none of these figures have actually ascended to heaven as authoritative revelatory figures. The only person who has ascended and who understands the mind of God and is authorized as the revelatory figure that speaks the words and commandments of God is the Son of Man, the human apocalyptic judge who has descended from heaven to explain and testify to the things that are heavenly and the things that are earthly, according to John 3, 11 and 12. So really, Jesus here talking about ascending to heaven and descending from heaven really has nothing to do with ascending up to the sky or descending down from heaven in any sort of real or literal way. It's not talking here about the preexistence of the human son of man. What he refers to here is Jesus's ability as the authorized revelatory son of man who speaks the words of God, and he's the only one who has been authorized by God to reveal and explain these things in contrast and in deliberate polemic against these other revelatory figures. Of course, Jesus is, according to John 1.14, the word become flesh, implying that Jesus is the human communicator of God's revelatory words and commandments. This, of course, has to be emphasized in light of the social situation in John's gospel, where the church, likely the church in Ephesus, was being harassed by members of the Jewish synagogue who deemed Jesus as a false messiah and a rebellious son, who was therefore, according to that logic, not a true revealer of God's words. So that's enough about John 3.13, but it's important to grasp that when we look at John 6.62, because I think that John 6.62 implies that the readers of the fourth gospel already have in mind the argument that was made in John 3.13. Let's look at the context here in John 6.62. I'm going to start in verse 54. Jesus says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, 
conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are Spirit and our life. The passage moves on in verse 66, and it says, As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. That's John 6, verses 54 through 68. We can see there is that Jesus is beginning this dialogue, and actually chapter 6 is a long dialogue about the bread that has come down out of heaven, and Jesus invites his readers to take this bread and to eat it and to partake of it. He says that this bread is his flesh and the blood is his own blood, and that he says in verse 56 that the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. So there's a sense here of a mutual abiding and a mutual indwelling between Jesus and his followers. He's looking for those who are going to metaphorically partake of him in the fullest sense of the word. Of course, we see after this dialogue in verse 60 of John chapter 6 that many of his disciples, and let's remember that phrase, many of his disciples thought this was a difficult statement. They could not understand it. And Jesus responds, almost as a provocative challenge. You think this is difficult. This causes you to stumble. What if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It's almost like a provocative challenge. It's almost as if he is saying something like, oh, if you can't understand this basic thing, how are you going to understand something even greater? Very similar to what we saw in John chapter 3 and verse 13, where John has Jesus telling Nicodemus, if you don't understand these earthly things, how are you going to understand the more advanced heavenly things? And the interesting thing is that, and this to me is what actually connects John 6.62 and John 3.13, is that Jesus describes the ascending Son of Man, of course, implying that he has previously descended, with the following verses of Jesus being the one that has words that are spirit and life. And even Simon Peter understands this because he says in verse 68 that you have the words of eternal life. And so the Son of Man here in John 6:62 is the Son of Man, just like in John 3:13, is the authorized revealer of God's words and God's commandments. Jesus' words are spirit and are life in 663, the verse that comes after 662, the verse in question. And of course, Peter acknowledges this in 668, that Jesus' words have eternal life, or they are the words of eternal life. So the aspect here of the ascending and descending Son of Man still has to do with Jesus' ability to reveal these words of spirit and life and these words of eternal life as God's authorized human agent, God's authorized human son of man. Now, Warren Carter has an excellent quote that keeps us from taking a narrow interpretation or an either-or reading that fails to take into account how the fourth gospel employs multiple levels of meaning in Jesus' dialogues. His quote says, The verbs often associated with son of man lifting up, descend and ascend, and glorify have multiple levels of meaning and should not be limited to the cross. 
That's on page 59 of Warren Carter's book, John, Storyteller, Interpreter, and Evangelist, a book that I recommend that those who are serious about the study of the Gospel of John, especially as a Christological book, would be well worth investing in. So he's saying there that we shouldn't limit these phrases, specifically ascending and descending, to only having one meaning, preferably just the cross. They should have multiple meanings, which is something that I had suggested earlier in our study. So what would it mean here in 662 when Jesus says that what if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? This implies that the Son of Man had descended from a previous place, from a place that he was prior. But what does this sense of ascending mean? How could ascending be understood within its multivalent meaning within the Gospel of John and within the dialogue here? of Jesus having already explained basic things to many of his disciples, and now he wants to explain more advanced things. So ascending could mean, Jesus saying, I will ascend into the mind of God, and I will tell you more things as the authorized revealer of God's words and God's commandments. Basically, Jesus would be saying there, if you can't understand these basic things about me being the bread of life from heaven, how are you going to understand the other teachings that I have to give you, the more exalted teachings. He's only in chapter 6 of this gospel. He's still got, you know, a dozen more chapters to go. Ascending can also mean an ascending to heaven, because according to the gospel of John, specifically chapters 14, 15, and 16, Jesus will ascend to heaven so that the Spirit can be sent. And so if Jesus ascends to heaven so the Spirit can be sent, then this would mean that the Spirit would also be able to reveal heavenly things because the Spirit is authoritatively sent by Jesus. The interesting thing with this option is that the Spirit is specifically mentioned in the following verse, in 663, where Jesus says, the words that I've spoken to you are Spirit and are life. So Jesus speaks his words, they are spiritual words, and of course when Jesus ascends to heaven and Jesus sends the Spirit, that Spirit also communicates the words of Jesus, and of course the Spirit speaks spiritual words. So, what if the Son of Man ascends to where he was before could mean an ascension to heaven, because the Son of Man has descended from heaven. And of course, the ascension, in light of the climax of the Gospel of John, could mean an ascension to the cross, because the cross is the fullest revelation of God's purposes for humanity's sin and humanity's problem with death. Thereby, I think ascension could possibly have any of these three meanings, and maybe two of them, and maybe all three of them, either ascending into the mind of God to reveal more authoritative words and commandments as the authorized apocalyptic Son of Man, the authorized revealer of the heavenly things. It could mean an ascension to heaven after Jesus' death and resurrection so that the Spirit can be sent, or it could mean an ascension to the cross cross being the fullest revelation of God's purposes. In conclusion, we've observed that, number one, the Son of Man in the Gospel of John is a title referring to the messianic human being authorized by God to reveal God's words and commandments. Both of these traits, the humanity of the Son of Man in addition to his fully authorized status, are bound together in the title's meaning. Number two, we observe that John 3.13 notes that Jesus is the true revealer of God's revelations and teachings. 
and is clearly a polemical statement against other revelatory figures competing for the attention of Jews at the end of the first century, like Enoch, Abraham, and Baruch. Jesus, as the Word become flesh, authoritatively speaks God's words as God's human mouthpiece. Number three, we observe that John 6.62 presupposes the discussion and meaning of the earlier comment in 3.13, namely that Jesus is the true revealer of God's words and commandments in the midst of other competing revelatory figures. When Jesus' dialogue regarding the need for the followers to eat his flesh and drink his blood startled some of them, he responds with a provocative challenge, what if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? In other words, if intimately partaking and dwelling in Jesus, the authoritative word become flesh, human son of man, authorized by God, was too much for the Jews, how would they be able to grasp and accept his ascension for more of God's truths? How would they cope if the son of man needed to ascend to heaven during the interim period of the ascension and the second coming? And how would they accept Jesus ascending to the cross as the very sacrificial lamb whose flesh they are supposed to eat? And lastly, point number four, taken in context, neither John 3.13 nor John 6.62 require a reading of personal preexistence of the Son of Man, which needs to be acknowledged that it was a title for a human being. If you enjoy the Biblical Unitarian Podcast and you would like to donate to the work that it is doing, please check out this episode's description for a PayPal link. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith, and until next time, take care.